0: Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. Overstory Media Group launched this week a new independent digital news publisher that has its eye on expanding its network of community-based e-newsletters nationally, Behind Victoria-based OMG is Farhan Mohammed, former editor-in-chief and co-owner of The Daily Hive, and tech entrepreneur Andrew Wilkinson, who founded Victoria's Capital Daily in 2019, a daily newsletter, podcast, and long-form journalism site that joins 10 brands under the OMG umbrella. Farhan Mohammed joins us on this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast to talk about the OMG investment model and vision for the future of community journalism. And he shares his own personal lessons learned from a decade in digital media.
1: Hi, I'm Farhan Mohammed. I am the co-founder and CEO of Overstory Media Group. Uh, We are an independent media company that delivers high quality, fact based journalism and storytelling, giving people the tools, resources, and financial support to help brands and journalists create in their community. I have been in media for pretty much the past decade, but I've been in the community, has been such a big part of my life ever since I was a kid. Ever since my grandparents and parents came over from East Africa, everything about my upbringing has been, how do you strengthen your surroundings? How do you leave your community better off than how you found it? And so with that in mind, it was always everything about, about my past and everything about where what I do today and what I'm trying to do now is making my communities stronger and helping other people make their communities stronger. When I was younger, I, um, I remember when my grandmother, uh, who's still alive, who still does this to this day, she subscribes, uh, her and my grandfather, they've been subscribers to the Vancouver Sun. She would clip the newspaper, she would bring over stories, and, and we would be talking about them, she would tell us about them, and th- those were the memories I remember about sharing information and how you have those discussions, where that information comes from. And then fast forward a little bit. Uh, when I was 15, I had my own newsletter that I would send out to about two or 300 people in my age group that were in my friend circle because there was this need to know what was happening. And so I looked at it and, and I was trying to figure out if I'm struggling to get this information, if I'm struggling to know what's going on, I'm sure other people are struggling at the same time. So why don't I go fill that gap? And so we would talk about things that were happening and events going on. Basically, just ways to connect, ways to see each other, and know what was upcoming. When I was in high school, I wanted to go into marketing and business. um, And there was an opportunity uh, while I was in just out of university, or uh, while I was in university. Sorry, is uh, I worked at the Sun and Province over at PNG in ad sales one summer doing some relief work and. Selling these full page ads and selling things that were costing way too much money that you never really could measure the impact and the ROI. And I quickly saw that there was this real gap in the market and there was a need and something was brewing. This was back in the early 2010s. And so at that time, uh, as soon as I finished there, I went and I was part of a uh, what I thought was a bigger company, but ended up being a little passion project without any full-time staff that wasn't really making money. And that was uh, Daily Hive. Back then it was called City Buzz. I started selling ads and trying to make money and then quickly realizing that we needed to focus on editorial. At the time, we were doing about 200,000 unique visitors a month. We were doing about 5,000 bucks in revenue a month. After a year of working on that, we tripled our revenue, our numbers were going up, and then I was the first full-time staffer, myself and someone else. And so quickly became a part of that company, ended up scaling it across Canada uh, we were in most urban markets across the country. I had a newsroom of about over 20 full-time staff across the country. We had tons of freelancers, we were growing, we were having impact all over the place and uh, and I said, um, I think there's, I, I wanted to take a bit of a reset on life, uh, was kind of exhausted of the day-to-day of publishing about 100 stories a day and it was it was getting a lot. And I was looking and I said, I think there's a better way to do this. I want to have more impact at the local level, going back to my roots, going back to the communities, going back to the neighborhoods, and really strengthening the places that are around us. At the same time, my wife was pregnant. And so it gave me the opportunity to reset life, knowing that my life was going to change. And I took a step back and I said, uh, and I was trying to figure out how do I consume media and how do I get my news and information? And I was struggling for months. And I said, this is something is not working. Uh, I'm I'm going on social and I'm waiting for an algorithm to hit me with information and the right stories. I go to websites if I even remember which websites to go to and hoping that the information is going to be there or I'm going to go on search and I'm going to go try to find what it is I'm looking for. But the problem exists is that no, you don't know what you're looking for most of the time. Uh, you're, you're waiting for that information to come to you and you want something that's delivered to you. And I remember back when I was growing up getting the North Shore news three days a week and you get to sit down and you got that paper and you knew someone was spending time and people were spending time and energy putting a lot of work into those stories. And I said, why can't we do that? Why can't we make this make sense and, and make this the the, the the present and the future of how community news is delivered? And so ended up connecting with Andrew Wilkinson, my now business partner, who had started Capital Daily a couple of years ago, started as a newsletter. He said, the model is broken in my hometown of Victoria. I think I need to make this better. Let me go hire some journalists and they can, they can start creating content. So it started with that, developed into its own website as well, focusing on high quality, in-depth investigative reporting, had a podcast as well attached to it, and then started building off from that. And I said to him, I think what you're doing is great. I think we can make this more focused on the community. And I think we could do this across the board and we could do this in markets everywhere. And we can strengthen these communities. We can give people the resources and the time and the effort and not have people being burnt out and underpaid, overworked, underappreciated, undervalued. And why don't we go and do that? And so we we planned that a little bit and we said, all right, let's get into business together and let's make this happen. So that was uh, that was late last year, and now we started Overstory Media Group. We just launched it on May 3rd. Uh, We've got 10 brands under our umbrella right now. We have about 30 full time staff. We've got goals to get to 50 brands and 250 journalists and content creators over the next couple of years. But our main focus is around communities. And one of the biggest pillars in the communities is news. But it's not the only thing that matters. And so we come in with this mindset that how do we give people the convenience and give them the information that they need on a daily basis? And then how do we start adding more? How do we ask bigger questions? How do we focus on content that matters and the questions that matter and not have to worry about you know, are we going to make a mistake? And are we going to, are we going to bother an advertiser and they're going to cut their budget and we're going to be in a hole and we're not going to be able to get out of. And so therefore our editorial changes and people start questioning our content and whether we should publish something. We say, go and answer those questions and don't, uh, don't worry if you're going to piss someone off. That's totally fine. You know, we want people who are invested in the communities who believe in the communities and want to help us strengthen our communities.
0: So you mentioned that you're starting with 10 brands. Some are rooted in community journalism, like the Burnaby Beacon, but then there's others under the umbrella like Vancouver Tech News and Decomplicated, which is run by two recent UBC journalism grads and began as a podcast. How, how do these overstory partnerships work?
1: Yeah, so we focus on three main buckets of communities. The first being geographical, where people live, the other being industry, where people work, and then the other just being general interest. And we look and we say, there's three main identities that you have. The first one starts with where you live. And you know, whenever you ask someone, like, tell me about yourself, the, most of the time they'll say, well, I'm so-and-so, I live in this city, and I, I, this is what I do for work, and then this is what my hobbies are. And so we kind of go down that same path and say that, that this is where we have to start. And we start with things like the newsletter. We build up our audience and make sure that we have that direct relationship with our readers. Um, and then we start developing it and we start talking to them and we find out what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they want? What questions do they have? And let's start adding things to the pe- and pieces to the community. So as an example, Capital Daily started in Victoria um, in a population about 350,000, 400,000 people. We've got now 50,000 subscribers there. So about one in eight um, residents subscribe to us. But what we then developed and started looking at is that there's much more than just the, there's the daily newsletter that comes out seven days a week. There's the website, there's the podcast, but there's other things that people are interested in. And so why don't we go and we try to add those to our community? And so we brought on a food publication, Tasting Victoria, that's got a crazy uh, Instagram community as well as a newsletter. Um, we added uh, a couple micro communities as well that go all the way down to a population, a neighborhood that's 18,000. And we look and we see what other things can we develop. We've got a jobs board there. We've started doing events, virtual right now. hopefully at some point we'll go back and be able to do in-person events. And you start adding these pieces, and you you really connect with the with the audience, and you connect with that community, and you say, what is it that you need? And so Vancouver Tech Journal was one. It was already up and running. It was a passion project for the founder William. And we said, "There's there's something missing in this community, and you seem like you're going at it, and you seem like you know what you're doing. Um, what what would you what do you want to do?" And, and he said, "I want. I wish I could do this full time. I wish I could grow this. I wish I could add more people, so we could start digging deeper. We could start talking about issues that matter." And we said, why don't you come under our umbrella? Why don't we give you a salary? Why don't we give you the ability and the tools and the resources? And in a matter of a few months, he went from being a, a passion project, not making money to now uh, having two full-time salaries that are attached to that brand um, that have content coming out on a daily basis. Uh, that are doing deep dives into companies that are doing interesting things in the community. And so it's really asking those questions to begin with, is what is the potential that exists here and who's currently doing something? And then let's go and try to solve it and give them the, the resources, tools. Let's help them with the direction. Let's help them with the leadership. But ultimately, let them let them produce the content that they know will work and know is best.
0: So is there revenue sharing here or are you investing in each publication?
1: Essentially we're investing in each publication. We bring everyone under our umbrella. We've got one corporation in that way. And so everyone becomes an employee of of the company. Um, We like to keep things really simple for better or for worse. I like to oversimplify everything that we do. Which is also why I love Decomplicated. It takes these big, big complicated topics and it just makes it really simple and easy to understand. And we start with that and we say, all right, like, let's make this, let's make life really simple for you. What are the barriers to what it is that you're trying to do? Well, you don't want to have to worry about taxes and advertising. You don't necessarily want to go and focus on the things you don't know anything about. And so why don't we cut that out for you? So you don't have to waste 20, 30, 40% of your time doing the things that you don't know how to do we'll centralize those processes. We'll centralize admin and finance. There's things that we don't sacrifice and we don't centralize. And so we make sure that when we're talking about the content and the people on the ground, like everything goes back to those communities. And so I think unlike a lot of organizations, we have a head office team, but that team is there merely as advisors, consultants, coaches, mentors, leaders to really help drive where things are going, but they're not there to say, this is what we want you to do. This is what you have to do. This is the content to write. We never profess to know anything about the communities that we're in. And that is completely by design. It's so that the community leaders, that the representatives and the staff that are working on each of the communities, they're in full control over what they do.
0: As you mentioned off the top, you have a plan to expand to 50 publications and 250 journalists by 2023. And you already have a raft of job postings up in markets like Burlington, Saskatoon, Edmonton, Lethbridge, Hamilton. Tell me about what this looks like when you come in on the ground. Would you have two to three staff in each market? And is local the key here in in your hiring process?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll answer that last one. Local, yes. Everything, um, you know, one of the big questions that we always ask uh, up front, do you live in that community? Do you work in that community? Uh, do you play in that community? You, you have to be from the community. The thing that I've learned over the years is that, uh, like I said, you know, we're never going to profess to know anything about these communities. We're talking about Lethbridge and Burlington and some of these other cities. I know nothing about these markets. And and I'm never going to say I'm going to know anything about these. I'll know maybe five percent and I'll learn over the I'll learn over the months and over the years and I'll subscribe to the newsletters that we launch and I'll and I'll get to know it a little bit more. But the people, the the real focus and the key to every single piece here and the key to success is having people that are from these communities. They understand it. They know what matters. They under, they they know the nuances as well. And so that's the first piece of it. Um, and then when we, when we launch, it really depends on the market. It depends on the community, what it is that they need to get going in, in some markets. They might be, you go in and we hire two, three people in some, it might be four five and in, in some, it might be, we just start with one and then we'll add another one as the weeks and months go by. So it really depends on, on the community, on the setup, on what exists already Um, sometimes we'll go and we'll launch in a community from the, from scratch. Sometimes we'll go and we'll find a brand that already is doing something and, uh, and they've been around for a little bit and they just want the help to take that next step. And so we'll come in and we'll say, all right, here's our playbook. Why don't we add these pieces and you can get to where you want to be faster. You, it's a little bit less risky for you, uh, and you get to really be in control of, of what it is that you're doing.
0: So generally, is it an editor, a reporter, or a salesperson in each market?
1: Yeah, generally, um, we'll, we'll hold off on the sales. Um, our main focus is let's get the content to be phenomenal first, because no one's going to pay for anything. No one's going to want to buy anything if the content isn't there. And so that's the first step. And so generally, we'll go in and we'll hire for a managing editor, we'll hire for reporters, and then we'll start adding community, um, community managers as well.
0: How much time are you giving each of these outlets to succeed?
1: Uh... I mean, the, the, the simple answer will be as long as it takes. But realistically, you know, we know how long it should take. Our goal is to get every every brand to sustainability within about 12 months. In some cases, it'll be shorter than that. In some cases, it'll be longer than that. But 12 months is going to probably be the average. We've have that playbook that we're following. So we know at what point should we be able to start monetizing? At what point should we be able to start doing paid memberships? But at the same time, I also know that those are probably going to change. And the more brands we launch, the more we learn already in the past couple of months. The playbook that we had, we've started adapting a little bit because we're finding that as we scale, there's, you know, the economies of scale come into play a little bit. And so we're starting to change our numbers up a little bit. But generally, we look at it to say our goal is sustainability within 12 months.
0: Some of these markets have lost local news outlets during the pandemic, but in some of the others that you're going into, there's existing competition there. And there's also this recent proliferation of newsletters with the rise of Substack and now Facebook getting into that game. I guess my question is, what's the key component of the overstory model that is going to drive success?
1: So one of the biggest differences, and and I think one of the big things for us is that we want to make people's lives easier. And that means starting with a salary. I've heard way too much from way too many journalists who are starting and have started their own thing, that it's a risky, risky situation for them. And talking to some who are making $1,000 a month, and I start to question, how do you survive? And I get that what you're doing is your passion and, you know, you want to build your own thing, but you you can't live off of a thousand bucks a month or 2000 bucks a month, no matter how much you've saved. It's just, you're going to get to a point that it just doesn't make any sense. And so we start with that and make sure that people are comfortable and that they can get the job done. This whole idea to me that journalists should be okay with being underpaid That uh, they're they're out, they're truth seekers, they're trying to get the right information. And as someone recently said to me, a young journalist said is, you know, I I know I'm not going to make money in this industry. And that doesn't sit well with me. I don't think that's right. I think there's a better way to do it. And I think the whole industry needs a shakeup. I've seen too many journalists that are making forty to sixty thousand dollars, and you've got salespeople that are making two hundred, a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't make any sense, and it's supposed to be okay. And so, for me, as someone who I, I didn't study journalism, I'm not really from the community uh, traditionally. But I love, I love the communities that were, I love communities, period. And I think that there's a better way to do it. And so when someone says to me, you know, when I, I spoke to a young journalist, and I said, what is your five, 10 year plan? And they said, I want to be in the industry for 10 years. And then I want to go to communication so I can make more money, because I know I have a ceiling here. And I know that there's only so much I can do. And I said, if this is the way that we're thinking, and this is the way that young journalists today are thinking, we have no future here. And journalism as an industry, media as an industry has has a very shaky future. And so why is this OK? Why are we saying that this is OK? Why are we as communities why are we as a public saying this is OK? So let's try to change that model up and let's let's get people comfortable right from day one. And then you start giving them the resources after that and giving them the time and saying that you don't have to necessarily focus on publishing an insane amount of content on a daily basis. You don't have to worry about all of these other things that you know aren't really in your wheelhouse. And I think this is what we're seeing is um, I look at even on Substack. Substack is great. I, I love the platform. Uh, Vancouver Tech Journal today is on Substack. At some point, it won't be on it, but it also has a lot of limitations to it in that Sure, anyone can go get started, but you still have to build up your brand. You still have to focus on bringing in readers. Um, You still have to get it to a point that you can make enough money. And then what? I was chatting with with one journalist recently who's on Substack, who's making uh, about $5,000 a month right now in subscription revenue. But the problem becomes is that that's not as sustainable. What happens when you're sick? What happens when you want to take a vacation? Well, you can't go hire another person until you've made enough money to do that. And then you start asking those questions. So it all comes back to, you know, the longevity and the, the problem with newsletters, the problem with what we do is very, it's a very simple idea and it's a very simple process. The thing is, it's so hard to be consistent and it is so hard to do it on a continual basis and make sure that you do it. Capital Daily is a prime example. We put a newsletter out seven days a week. Um, except for a few holidays throughout the year. And that is a very challenging thing to do. But now we've built up the community. Our readers expect it from us. Even if we're 20 minutes late, then we get emails. Hey, where's the newsletter? What's going on? Um, I need to start my day. And so it's a really challenging thing when, and you need the support in order to make it happen and make it happen on a long-term basis.
0: Some people in the media space, Farhan, have suggested that maybe you're not the best evangelist for community journalism. And, and I think that's rooted in the fact that in the, in the very beginning of Daily Hive, it was somewhat of an aggregator and largely repurposed journalism from other outlets. Have you learned a lot along the way since your early days in digital media?
1: Oh, completely. I was looking at an old job posting that I wrote up and it was asking for a senior writer to produce 30 pieces of content on a weekly basis. And I kind of stopped and I wanted to punch myself in the face. And I said, no wonder people (laughs) were pissed off at you. No wonder people were burnt out and they were overworked. No wonder they hate the industry. It's because people like you were asking for these sorts of things. And this is what the expectation was. And you weren't paying people well enough um, that, that this made any sense. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely learned from that. I've also learned that I am, I am not a journalist and like, that's not the job that I should be holding. Um, I, I know how to build up businesses. I know how to build up communities. I know how to focus on the quality and ensure that, that that people are getting the right information that they want. I also know that that takes hiring the right people. I think our roster of, uh, of staff right now is proof of that. We've got, um, I look at Capital Daily as a, as a great example. Uh, our managing editor there, Jimmy Thompson, is an award-winning journalist. He's the BC representative for the CAJ. We've got an investigative journalist there, Tori Marlin, who literally takes months on stories. She just published a piece a few weeks ago that was, uh, if you haven't read it, it's probably one of the craziest stories you'll read about it's about a man who stole a hotel. And it's about 10 to 15,000 words, it took her about three to four months to put together, we paid 1000s of dollars for it to be fact checked, we paid 1000s of dollars for it to be checked by legal before it went went out. Um, And so what I know is that there's things that I know, I also know what I don't know. And the things that I don't know, I'm not going to go and do I'm going to bring in the right team members who know what they're doing. I, I also think that, um, hell, you know, if, if someone's going to say I'm not the right person, well, I don't know who is. Look, take a look at the industry right now. Clearly, it's something's not working. It hasn't been working for a number of years now. Uh, I don't know what people are waiting for, and, and you know they're waiting for a miracle to happen, and they're waiting for these big buyouts and a big fat check that's going to hit their desk. Well, it's not happening, and it and probably is not going to happen ever. And so maybe it is time to open up, the, uh, open up the blinders a little bit and see what else is out there. And I think for us, uh, for me at least, it's the fact that it's not just about the news. It's not just about what's happening on a daily basis. It is about the community. And for me, ever since I was a kid, it's always been about the community. And so I think that mindset is what's absolutely needed. Um, We're proving that it's working in the communities that we're in. Uh, We have a long term vision. Um, We're in this for the long haul. You know, I've been saying for a long time now, I think if we can do this right over the next two, three years, then we're going to be around for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And people say I'm crazy and that I should only focus on what the next five years looks like. And I say, well, If that's the case, then, you know, we're never going to succeed because all you're trying to do is make enough money that you can survive for the next few years. And then what? Like, what's going to happen when I hear these stories of journalists who don't want to be in the industry anymore and want to leave? Well, then I start questioning what's going to happen to our democracy. Where are people going to get information from? If all we're doing is thinking about the next five years, what you're really telling me is that you're a politician who's thinking about your next election. And with these four-year cycles, so maybe it's time we stop thinking about the four-year cycle and five-year cycle. Maybe we start thinking about what the next 20, 30, 40 years looks like and how do we get there. And you have to build the foundations and the fundamentals to begin with. And that starts with quality. That starts with hiring the right people and giving them the tools and abilities, paying them well, valuing them, and saying that you know what to do and you let them run and you let them have fun at the same time. Uh, I say that to everyone. If you're not having fun, you have to tell me. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you have to tell me because we're going to make those changes that you are going to have fun. Um, I, I'm I'm done working in a place and I'm done uh, having people that come from a place where they're not having fun on a daily basis. Life is too short. You know, we live in these places. We work in these places and that we need to have fun and we need to talk about what matters. And there is a path to be able to do both at the same time.
0: So if you're a journalist right now who maybe has a small newsletter in let's say Brandon, Manitoba or Moncton, New Brunswick, should they be reaching out to you? A hundred percent.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Get in touch with me. Farhan at omgmedia.com. You can find me on Pretty much everywhere, just search me. You can send an email to hi at omgmedia.com. Somehow you'll get into our inboxes and then it'll, you can get in front of me and our team. If you're doing something that either you've just launched an idea, well, either you have an idea, you've launched an idea, you're a small little team, or even you're a mid-sized team, and you'd need the help that's in order to get to that next step. If you're looking at this saying, hey, this is a passion project. I'm not really making money. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I really think that there's a better way to do journalism. There's a better way to do community media. Come and talk to us because we want to bring, we'll, we have, we'll talk about bringing you in, adding you to the team. Um, we've got an incredible lineup right now and incredible staff uh, that that we have. And it's crazy the kind of stories that they get to share with one another, the experiences and knowledge they get to share with one another. I think that is really our our special sauce. It's It's our people. You know, like I said, what we do is very simple, but how we do it how we do it consistently, that's where things start to get a little bit complicated. And so when you have people who are like-minded, they share the same vision, they share the same desire, and they share the same values, and you get to talk to one another about how you're doing what you do and how to take those steps forward, learn from one another, and, and have those interactions. That's how we succeed is, you know, we're stronger together. That means we have to be together. And so, let's start with that first step. So, absolutely, get in touch, and I would love to chat with anyone who's doing anything in community.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, Farhan. Huh? Absolutely.